we are collectively telling, telling cafes, pubs, bars and restaurants to close tonight as soon as they reasonably can and not to open tomorrow. We're also telling nightclubs, theatres, cinemas, gyms and leisure centres to close on the same uh, timescale. On Monday the 16th of March last year, Boris Johnson stepped up to the lectern in the now famous wood-panelled state dining room in number 10 and told the nation that theatres, clubs, concert halls and arts venues would all have to close until further notice. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, and it's now been almost a year since their doors were shut and the lights went out. The pandemic has forced the longest national shutdown of arts activity since the Puritans closed theatres and banned public entertainments in 1642. Since then, live performance has defied air raids, terrorism, power shortages, and even during the Second World War, venues reopened soon after orders to close. Since the timetable for the easing of lockdown restrictions was announced late last month, it seems that the days, or nights, where we can all gather again in a real place to experience an event are on the horizon. But you'll no doubt have read and heard much about people in the arts struggling to keep their heads above water, about actors working in supermarkets, singers delivering takeaways and Amazon parcels. It was ever thus, and will always be thus. About venues making dozens of staff redundant or closing altogether, and the possibility that the arts in this country has been mortally wounded by Covid and will never be the same again. Now, some of that is true, but it's not the complete picture. It is not the whole story. So, in the next few episodes of the podcast, we'll hear from some of the area's creative folk themselves about their experiences of the past 12 months. They'll tell us how they've struggled, coped, and yes, even thrived in these unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. But we'll also hear that behind closed doors, in bedrooms and kitchens, over cables and airwaves, necessity has been proudly watching on as our offspring, creativity and invention have been quietly getting on with things, despite everything. There's a lot going on, more than you might have realised. Reports of our cultural death have been greatly exaggerated. Spring is coming. Plans are afoot. The future is unwritten. Last month, I joined the City Arts Forum on Zoom. And it's organised and chaired by Paul Holloway, the Arts and Culture Manager at Hull City Council. It is, and I quote, an opportunity to share your work, thoughts, ideas and updates, as well as hearing from us about arts development work in the city. I'd not attended one before, and to be honest, I was braced for it turning out to be a collective grief session, you know, for everyone who'd seen their careers and practice wither and die in 2020. And it was not. On the contrary, it was full of people and organisations with good news to tell about things that they're doing, work that they're planning, and there was a sense, even virtually, of hope and activity. It was really uplifting, and I wanted to get the word out there that great things are on the cultural horizon in Hull, and good stuff has been happening all along. 
The first person we're going to hear from is Paul Smith, Artistic Director of Middle Child Theatre, who hosted this latest forum. I start with the question I'm asking everyone we're going to hear from in these episodes. How's it been? I'm all right. I'm uh, getting by, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, there seems to be a fair bit of optimism in the air at the moment, doesn't there, with the vaccine and um, hopefully the numbers dropping. So, fingers crossed. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad. Good days, bad days, really. Yeah, I mean, it could be a lot worse. It's a lot worse for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. yeah, just some days you just get a bit done and you think, oh, that's good. And other days you just you just think, I'm fucking useless. I've, <laughs> I've just done nothing. But, you know, it's just a case of treading water for the time being, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I just, I just, I'm, I'm just holding on to that memory of watching and making theatre and being in a room with people and I think that's keeping me going at the moment um really miss that it's sort of hard to stay in the moment it's either looking forward or looking back mm-hmm. and just going over memories and stuff which can be comforting and kind of sort of tortuous a little bit as well yeah absolutely yeah so what was the city arts forum and why was it important for you guys to sort of host it yeah so the city arts forum is something that's been around for a long time. You know, it was around when we first set up as a company and it was something that, um, you know, played a real key part in us sort of forming relationships in the city and getting to know people. And, you know, that was back at a time when we were allowed to be in the same space together back in the good old days. And I feel like it's it's sort of found a new life during lockdown and during this kind of strange period. It, basically what it is, is um, it's led by the council and it's a way of bringing together the local arts community and that's people from, you know, lots of different disciplines, lots of different experience levels, lots of different organisations. And at the moment, what the council have been doing is giving the hosting duties to different organisations and, and just asking them to essentially take top billing for that, you know, for the round of updates and to talk a bit about what they're doing. And for us, it, it just feels like a really brilliant way of connecting with people again and maybe sparking some hope and some optimism and sharing th- the truth of what's actually happening. Um, because I, I think one of the worst things about this pandemic is that lots of people are being left out of the loop and, and maybe aren't at the table and aren't hearing some of the conversations that are happening. And for me, City Arts Unit plays a really key part in just closing that loop again and just sort of um, bringing people to the table. It was just on a basic level, just nice to see people's faces that we would normally just see week in, week out at various events and shows. And just to sort of hear that they were sort of still there and still planning stuff and in lots of cases still making stuff. Um, in terms of middle child's activities, I've been involved in some of the things that you've been doing over the last few months, but what, what are your plans and what are you doing at the moment? Yeah, I mean, just to say, uh, before I talk about our work, like I, I really share that kind of inspiration we've taken from other people in the city and there's so many brilliant people doing so many brilliant things and, you know, finding a way to repurpose what they do and, and you know, make it have real value. The the doorstep dances that Tamar and Joe are doing, just incredible and just a, just a really great example of, you know, thinking differently and, and finding ways to reach people um, and, and make new connections. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've taken a lot of inspiration from the people around us and, you know, this city continues to to be brilliant in the work that it's making and the way that it's responding and, you know, looking after each other. And, yeah, I feel really moved by that, actually. In terms of our work... I think we, during all of this, have have tried to reconnect to what our core values are because when everything's lost and you lose all of your, you know, exciting programming plans and all of the sort of things you were going to be doing, all you've got left really is what you stand for and what your values are and who you are. So I think we've tried to let that really lead us and really lead the decisions um, that we make. Uh, and for us, that kind of boiled down to three kind of key questions. 
um, one of which was how can we support freelancers through this time? Because it's scary as an organisation, but, you know, it's a hell of a lot scarier as an individual. The second question was, how do we use this time to improve as an organisation and, and, you know, build and grow and get ready for the for the fight in the future? And the third thing was kind of how do we do what we do without liveness? So much of middle child's reason for being is celebrating liveness, celebrating unpredictability, celebrating human contact. Um, so for us, it's been a bit of soul searching about what do we do when that's no longer possible. And so I guess all of that is kind of a long winded way of saying that we've tried to carry on doing what we usually do, but in new ways. Um, we've tried to carry on developing projects and developing artists. We've tried to carry on investing in new artists and new audiences. And that's taken various different, you know, uh, different ways of happening, whether it's digital play readings that you've helped us to be a part of as we develop kind of new ideas and new stories for the future whether that is launching our new associate writer program, putting the panto online and commissioning some brilliant, exciting new writers, uh, many of whom was their first ever commission, or whether that's making plans for the future and starting to think about what um, what a new space might look like, for example, as, as we lost, uh, sadly, we lost our home of nine years, Darley's over on the Thornton estate. Um, so there's kind of lots going on. And on top of that, we're doing lots of stuff um, organizationally and thinking about how we look after the team and promote well-being and mental health and um you know we're trialing things like flexible working and four-day weeks and trying to get better at supporting parents working in the performing arts and all those kind of things that this pandemic has really kind of shone a light on and and i guess just a determination to to be better and to come back better yeah absolutely i, I think whether people like it or not, they've been forced. There's no excuse for them to sort of say, we're getting around to that. You know, we'll get there eventually, but right now we're busy with this. People have been forced to look at how they operate and how they want to operate in the future. It's a real kind of, it's a real pivot point. So it's brilliant to hear that that you're thinking so comprehensively and sort of holistically about everything. Thinking more generally about the, the, the theatre industry, what do you think the big changes will be when we do sort of pick things up again what what do you think will look very different to what it did up to 2019 yeah it feels like a real big question at the moment and um i mean as we as we sit here talking today we're a few days away from boris's big announcement um and we'll see what you know how big that announcement is and how clear that announcement is but it's tricky to to know where we're at in terms of timelines so i guess speaking more generally about hopes for the future i'm really optimistic that this has reminded people how special it is to be sat in a space experiencing something together and i'm hoping there's going to be a real thirst and a real you know desire to get back to that and to really celebrate what it means to share a space again and to to experience something you know in the same air as somebody else um and i think that could be really brilliant for our industry and and for not just the work that our industry makes but also how we reach audiences how we how we value and treasure audiences because suddenly they've been taken away and, and suddenly we haven't been able to reach them and meet them and, you know, have them bring that sort of special magic to what we do. So, yeah, I, I really hope that what we find going forward is is a renewed love, a renewed passion, just, just a reminder of how special that is. And maybe we won't take it for granted. And some of the things that we did take for granted before, we, we won't do again. Like, as you mentioned earlier, I've really missed just going to the theatre and the social element of that and, and, you know, bumping into people, having discussions, having your worldview challenged, having your, you know, seeing different ways of living and thinking and all of that stuff. So part of me feels super optimistic that we're going to get back to that and, and we're going to have a sort of, um, I don't know, like a, a celebratory year or a few years of, of, wow, isn't it amazing that we can do this again? I also do have some fears that 
the situation is so difficult for so many uh, organisations and individuals that we're going to see a period of conservatism and, and a loss of risk taking and and that we're going to go back to kind of how the theatre industry felt during the last recession, which was that we have to put the figures first. And I don't know, I know that we as a company are really keen to be really ambitious and continue investing in new voices and new forms and, and making sure that there is still that kind of spirit of taking a risk and putting faith in new people and not just falling back to the kind of the known and the, and the already established. Yeah, many nods going on here. I know you can't see that, but um, I'm just I'm like a nodding dog. And massive congratulations to Middle Child, and in particular the cast and creative team of The Canary and the Crow, their hugely successful 2019 show, which has won loads of awards recently, including the prestigious George Devine Award for writer Daniel Ward. Next, I had a chat with artist Anna Bean. That's Blue Beanie to you. Now, you've probably seen some of Anna's work. It's the... Um, the distinctive photo montages of chimeric creatures and retro pop culture icons of the silver screen in gothic fairy tale dreamscapes. She and her collaborators also bring these surreal worlds to life in lavish, immersive live events to which many of us are longing to return. So, Anna, how's it been? It's actually been all right. Um because I've been busy. But I think because a lot of my work, I can use the computer, so I can be quite self-sufficient in the house making stuff. Yeah. So that's a real boon for me, being able to do that. Having said that, the last thing that I attended before we locked down was Tainted Love at um, at Walton Street back in <laughs> the last century, last no. February. Yeah, just over a year ago, about a year and a week or so ago, wasn't it? It was a, an amazing sort of cabaret. It's really hard to describe, but that absolutely relied on people being there and people performing and singing, and it was absolutely a people-based piece of art, wasn't it? It was, and, it, you know, those kind of events. Obviously, I'm working with performers, collaborating with performers, and I'm really into the idea of creating an immersive experience for the audience to become part of, like a party atmosphere, really. And um, we were squashed in. It was squashed, wasn't it? It was like we got as many people as we could in because obviously we sold the tickets. We could have sold twice as many tickets, I think. Well, I had to kind of beg for one and, and somebody had like a spare one, so I bought that off them and I was like, my God, I'm not going to... I'm going to have to yeah. kind of listen with my ear up against the window or something, but... I know, it was like a hot ticket in town, wasn't it? It was. And I think as well, like, I, I really like these things where we do, um, like, we did... Two at Walton Street. The first one, we had a twist competition, which Betty, who was, I think, 83, I think, won it. And a trophy presented by Bobby Diamond. And then this one, we had a, it was a musical statue tango, wasn't it? And uh, that was fun because people were just really throwing each other about and that. But really <laughs> thinking about it in respect of before COVID and after COVID, that's the kind of life that's hard to imagine going to happen again at the moment, isn't it? It is, and I think when anything like that will happen, it'll just, there'll be such a lack of sort of taking things for granted. It's going to be just a phenomenal thing whenever that sort of can happen again. Had, had you anything planned that would have gone ahead if COVID hadn't have happened? Yeah, I mean, we were started to look at Arts Council funding and, um, you know, putting something else on. And we kind of really got a team going. I mean, the core team... Um, Ruth Getz, Michelle D, Caroline Olia, and then other people who help out a lot with it. But we sort of, we'd really got something going there. So, and we'll do, you know, we still got stuff 
planned, but it's just waiting for a time when... Because, I mean, the events, they're very much about fun, audience participation, and it's like you don't want to sort of water that down into something that doesn't have that same effect. But we did do something... Um, at Christmas Enchanted Wonderland with Zoe Hughes in, in that as well right. which was like a sort of alternative panto thing and people came it was kind of quite family based but everybody came to it and it was sort of not everybody but a lot of people came you know different types of people ages and that and we put on a mini kind of performance over sort of 20 minutes and people came in and were part of that sort of a bit immersive again down Humber Street which was commissioned by the fruit market and that went down really well. And, you know, the idea of doing something potentially more like that again, you know, that's sort of a mini sort of repeatable. So you've got smaller audiences with more social distancing. Um, so we've got a little idea about that, but it's just waiting for the, the time when it, where you can actually rehearse together, I suppose, as well, isn't it? Exactly. I think, obviously, there's just been an announcement this week about what can and sort of can't happen and the dates it can sort of start to happen. And I think people are still trying to work all that out. But... Um, did you sort of find in the last year that, you know, it was kind of the the mother of invention sort of thing has, has given you new ideas and, and things that you wouldn't necessarily kind of found without it? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, not sure about that, but I do. I mean, that's probably true, but I haven't thought in that way. But I'll tell you what, it has done. It's sort of, it's made me consider maybe how you do things that you think, well, why did I do that? I'm using so much energy creating you know doing something when I could focus on something it's almost simplifying your practice a little bit right focusing on on it in a different way I mean like I think what I've done this year is been able to do work that's actually enabled me to have a living because I was one of those excluded people who because I'd got redundancy from Hull College in the year they took the tax from I was like that 50 50 thing so I earned more money um, from my redundancy than I did from my self-employed earnings. So I haven't had any support from that self-employment thing, which I know a lot of people, three million people have, haven't they? Yeah, it's three point whatever million have just basically been sort of cut adrift, really, and just left to fend for themselves. Yeah, just yeah. left. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of action behind it, isn't there? There's a lot of MPs and stuff who are standing up for that, and maybe something will change in that budget. But luckily, I've managed to have an income because I've been able to work on other people's projects really and little commissions here and there and just anything really that's come across and any little bits make a difference and then bigger bits are absolutely amazing and something that I had I got pre the COVID which was a an arts residency with our big picture in Grimsby which was going to be a sort of a thing in their top town market kind of an immersive sort of experience with the public turned into an online activity and actually grew because of that which meant that I was the funding, they'd found some funding from somewhere else for like online activities. So that was amazing to have had that. And I work for this place in Doncaster as well. Um, the Point, well, it's it's Doncaster Art starts at The Point and I've done a lot of work for them, community arts-based stuff, you know, where they're making books. I was working with writers and poets to create these books that were then given out to participants of this Creative Directions group, who's like a group of adults with complex needs. And... They worked on lots of different levels, like they could just colour it in or they could do these really sort of sophisticated tasks about imagining going to different worlds and stuff like that. So it's like that has kind of been bread and butter. But it makes me think that that's sort of like part of my practice has got that bread and butter practice. And then this other part of the practice, which is like the the kind of cabaret sort of stuff, working with performers, I can almost see that as two different things now. I think creative bodies creative people find ways to do stuff don't they and I've worked with both of these places 
well, particularly the one in Doncaster, I've been working with them for quite a few years, um, doing different projects and art clubs and things like that. But they themselves have been really proactive. I mean, both organisations, but particularly Doncaster Arts, because they've they've made work for the artists and made stuff for people to do, the participants, and they've been really proactive with it. I mean, I know it's the same in Hull, there's lots of arts organisations have done the same thing, but that's the thing with with arts, isn't it? It's it's uh, people kind of pick themselves up and dust themselves off and find a way of making it work. And that's what's exciting, really, isn't it? Yeah, that sort of alchemy of making something out of nothing. I think so. I, I think because, you know, we often work without any sort of safety net or any sort of long-term planning. We are, yeah. we will we were so used to it, aren't you? When I took redundancy from work, I was just like, let's just see what happens. You know, like six months went by, that was all right. Another six months, I'll give it a go. You know, and it sort of just keeps going and I'm just taking it six months at a time and just seeing what happens, really. Yeah. Um, just looking back over your Instagram feed, you did the Blue Beanie Art Club yeah. um, last year. What was that and who was that kind of for? Well, it's still going, actually. We started it again during the lockdown, um, the second lockdown. So it was we did 11 weeks in the first lockdown and it, it was for anybody and it was... I got inspired right at the beginning of the lockdown and it was when Italy was really going through a really bad time and like looking across at Italy and thinking, oh my God, that must be so terrible, the lockdown, you know, all stuff. and we were just starting to go into it. Mm. And I did Noel Fielding's art club, um, which was, he, he basically put a theme on Twitter and then he, he made a playlist and he just got people, it was really mainly kids who did his and, and got people to make art along the theme and the one that he chose that week was Italy. I love Italy, I think it was. And I made a little animation, I was feeling quite stressed, I made a bit of animation, put my headphones on, listened to the, the set list of music and just made a piece of art in two hours. And it was such a positive experience and I'd already been thinking, what can I do? Because I'm, you know, lots of friends have been, like Joan Tamar did some dance stuff, LaSalle Cobby did, um, she did her, um, like dance fit stuff there was lots of people that I knew were doing these little things to keep people going I thought what can I do and that was the thing that I thought well why don't I do that and it just became a week by week thing of I set a theme I made some imagery to go with it like I made a sort of a header image for the page and I made some that I shared on social media and on Instagram and stuff and then I made some animations and tried to get people engaged with it and then I used Pinterest um, to get an ideas board together for each weekly theme and then I made a Spotify playlist, like linked to the theme as well, and just encourage people to sort of, and it was just like whatever, because you couldn't go to shops particularly to buy any materials. So it was whatever you had in your house, basically, just make something along that theme. And, you know, there's been hundreds of pieces of work made over the, I mean, we've probably been doing it about, probably overall about 20 weeks, you know, split up depending on lockdowns and stuff. And yeah, hundreds of pieces of work, I would imagine, being made from that. And there's a sort of a regular group of people who join in. And it's mainly adults, like not so many kids have done it. Occasionally, maybe they've done it with their parents, but it's adults who've really hooked into it. And do you think that that sort of energy that you've created, even when we can get out and meet and you know do the things we used to do, do you think that'll sort of continue? Do you think that's uh, something that's going to be here to stay? I would like it. I mean, I had an idea that it would be good to do like a, maybe a Sunday club you could do it in you know a bar or a pub I was thinking like the social would be really good for it down Humber yeah. Street so you just I could make some images to go on a screen 
just have boxes of art materials. People could come along for two hours. They could just make some art along a theme, you know, and have a drink or whatever. But it's sort of that mixing. I love the idea of mixing kind of taking something and putting it into a normal setting, you know, so that people see that it's for everybody and not just for people who are artists. It's just like anybody can make stuff. I mean, the, the people who join in with the art club, some people are trained artists and then some people are just you know they're into creative arts but maybe they never made stuff or they've done a few classes or they haven't done it for years you know there's just a very a very mixed bag but like there was there was one person who did it one week and she messaged me and she kept messaging me on facebook like stages of progression of a picture she was really into it and then she sort of at the end of the two hours she messaged me she said she just thanked me for the day because she said she'd had a really bad morning. She'd smashed something in the kitchen. She'd ended up in Heron on Newland Avenue in tears for some reason. Just really stressful. And like she said, then I did the art club and it just got me out of it. And she said, you gave my day purpose. And like that made me really think about it. And particularly when the art club finished, I thought, do you know that that is exactly what it was giving me? Because I didn't know whether I'd get any work. I didn't know if I'd, you know, if I'd be in the mood to make any work and stuff like that. And thinking of a theme each week, trying to inspire people and making images, kept me going week by week. And then seeing, having that contact with people outside, and just never knowing whether anything, because all I did was just put up the set list and stuff on Facebook, and then it was up to people just to upload. I didn't do any live lessons or face to face stuff or anything. And it was just, you don't know whether somebody's going to put something up or not. And then all of a sudden, all these pictures start appearing. And you're like, oh, wow, that's really lovely, you know, that people would engage kind of thing. There's a lot of talk and sort of conversations happening. I know in theatre, I'm sure it's in, in other kind of areas as well, about how artists can be more relevant to their community. I think that's been lacking in some areas. Um, in terms of when we get back into it, how we can not go back to the way we were and yeah. just kind of turning out bits of theatre or bits of art or whatever in spite of everybody. And if they like yeah. it, if they do, great. If they don't... But there seems to be a community that you found, and I know that um, I've just spoken to Tom from Whole Truck, and they've made connections where they didn't really have them before. Yeah. And those things, they feel like they're sort of, not just for now, they're going to be there for the medium and long term. Yeah, I think it's really made people sort of think about technology and the, the purposefulness of it. Isn't it. I mean, you know, there was somebody on the art club who, uh, he had a friend in America, and he was like, he got her to do it, and they did some collaborations over over the kind of Wi-Fi waves and submitted that. So it's like, it kind of stops things being just local, doesn't it? And and also just, I mean, I never Zoomed before this, no. you know, or whatever, you know, you use. But I mean, that thing of travelling to meetings and meeting somebody, all that's out. You don't need to, do you? You can just, I mean, I've done so many projects over this year and I've hardly met anybody. Yeah. And it's, you know, quite sophisticated stuff and doesn't need to go back to what it was does it no it doesn't i think people have they've been forced to or certainly teachers and you know theater makers doing live streams of performances and stuff they've basically been forced to have to learn new software and and new hardware as well the cameras and mics and all the rest of it yeah and having yeah. done that they've seen the possibilities and they don't want to just drop that knowledge that they've gained yeah. and the opportunities that, that all that brings so yeah because of that the world we, we go back into when we can do the things 
isn't necessarily going to be just business as usual. I think that's that seems to be a common theme. It's like, let's just not do it the way we did it because we can do all these new things. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what's been really good around here as well. I don't know if you, you must have seen it, the um, fairy trail. Have you seen that over I, the half-term holidays? I've heard quite a bit about it. Yeah, I've seen people post stuff and thinking, what is this? And it's Yeah, and all the trail has been made by the kids. So each of the kids in the houses have created this little fairy garden in their gardens or wherever. And then there's a trail map that you can pick up from different points and then you can go around and see all these little fairy gardens. It's such a simple idea, but it's throwing it out to the people, isn't it, to create it? Yeah, I love it. I've just read a bit about Crocodile, which is a dark opera that can be accessed via the dark web, which sounds yeah. just absolutely right up yeah. my street. Yeah, and that's it's um, Russell Plows and Hull Urban Opera. So he has, actually, it was, I got the commission from Absolute Culture to do a micro, it was a micro commission, and I made a, an animation which was based around, it was in the lockdown, and my idea was to create like a haunted house that was representing the idea of this virus outside, but the virus kind of gets in the house, and the house is too spooky, and it gets shunted out again. But um, yeah, he saw that, actually, that I'd made, and he was trying to, work out how to visualize an opera without having a performance you know so the idea is i animate something but i mean that's as much as it is at the minute um that's able to go out there because it's quite secretive um but you know again i've got that commission i made that piece which turned into this you know what i mean i've just done something for a broken orchestra as well visualized on their tunes um so it's it's making stuff isn't it? And then seeing what happens, really. It's true. It's like there's been such a vacuum, potentially. And, you know, anybody who's creative and people who didn't realise they were creative are just going to fill that. They're going to find things to do because there is so much time and you cannot just watch Netflix for all of that. And it's so positive. For I mean, like I say, that two hours that I spent doing Noel Fielding's art club was such a positive thing for my mental health. And I think that's the thing about creativity. And also taking away the fear from it. And like, that's what I'm really with the art club. It doesn't matter what it looks like, just have fun. That's all it's about. Mm. And it's it's that thing that the fear of making something that somebody else is going to see or whatever. Take that out of the mix and just think about what you want to make. And it it doesn't really matter. I mean, I make loads of stuff and I'm just making it and thinking this isn't working. But it's just going through that point, isn't it? To the point where you do get its work. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's absolutely saved me being creative. And I know it's done the same for other people. I mean, my son makes music and he spent the first lock, and he's been working the second lockdown, but the first lockdown he spent sort of in his bedroom making music and just made this like amazing stuff, you know? And he actually made the music for my thing for Absolutely Cultured. So it was like a collaboration between him and my partner as well, because I dressed him up as Boris Johnson as a clown (laughs) in it, which was fun. That reminds me of something. You know, there's that kind of theory of the 10,000 hours, you know, to, yes. to, to master something. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know the detail. Was it a Malcolm Gladwell sort of theory or whatever? Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know that, I know what you're saying. Yeah, become an expert. And somebody commented about that saying that's, that's like a privilege and a luxury. And a lot of people who do become really famous and brilliant at certain things is because they have the luxury of having that time. They time. don't have to go out to yeah. work. Yeah. So they can put all those hours into being brilliant. Yeah. And that is... It's like an invisible block to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think we've seen where people have just been given that time, you know, days and weeks and months. We've seen that and people yeah. kind of becoming brilliant and, and accessing creative bits of their brain and their souls, which they might never have otherwise done. Absolutely. And I think that's, again, why we're very lucky as creative people, because, you know, especially when we choose to do it for a living, we might not live on a lot of money, um, but we haven't had to 
work in a supermarket or work in a school or like my friend she's an assistant head at a special school and she's worked all the way through it and all the kids have been in do you know what I mean it's like mm. this idea that yeah the, the pressure that's put on people to go to work and actually and obviously the health workers and everybody else you know it's like we are in a very privileged position to be able to be creative and I, I feel very privileged to have had the, the time this year that I've had Thanks to Anna and Paul for sharing their stories of the last 12 months and their hopes and plans for what's next. And that's it for the first part, but there's more to come. Uh, In the next episode, we'll hear from two more people from Hull's creative constellation about their lockdown experiences. Thanks for listening. And if you're still here, uh, please do enjoy this musical outro, which took me far too long to make, given the result. But uh, there you go. See ya. See ya.